Hello. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast, where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you're a returning listener, first of all, welcome back. Second of all, thank you for being here. If you are a new listener, allow me to introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. You can find me on all socials at Sir DRJM, Sir Dr. JM. So why not give me a follow? Reach out to me over on Twitter, send me a DM, shoot me a tweet. Uh, that, that was a bit awkward, but you get what I'm saying. Reach out to me because I'd love to interact with you. I'd love to bring questions, comments, topics onto the show, uh, all sorts of fun stuff like that. So hit me up on Twitter. Now, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends and all that fun stuff. Now, this podcast records bi-weekly, so that's every other week we post on Wednesdays. So this episode, of course, will be coming out tomorrow uh, on December 1st. And then we will be silent until the 15th. However, if you just want to hear more of my voice, why not check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, which posts every other uh, Wednesday from when I post. You can, of course, find Ready, Set, Pwn on all your favorite podcast services out there as well. And please go check us out. Go leave us a review over there uh, if you want to hear everything Overwatch League and Vancouver and Toronto related. Now for today's episode, we don't have a ton to talk about. However, we do have an episode chock full of Vancouver Titans and Hangzhou Spark. So let's get cracking. Teleporter online. I have opened the path. Our first story is going to take us over to Dexerto.com with an article posted on November 25th by Lauren Bergen. And this article reads, Overwatch caster and esports host Zoe Geschwind been involved in a bad car accident with her partner that has left the pair in hospital. Announcing the accident in the early hours of November 25th, Owl Caster and Overwatch community icon Zoe Geschwind com- confirmed that she and her partner Jacob had both been hospitalized. Writing that she was mostly fine, she goes on to state that the couple were waiting for him, Jacob, to get a CT done at the time of writing. Had a bad car accident, she states, going on to confirm all cars involved got totaled. Looking at my car, I can't believe everyone walked out of this alive. In shock, but very grateful. The comment section of the tweet are flooded with well wishes from some of gaming and esports' biggest stars, as well as a collection of Overwatch League teams. Jesus, hope all tests came back, come back okay. Sorry to hear this happen, comments 100 Thieves co-owner and streaming sensation Jack Courage Dunlop. This was followed by a message from fellow Owl analyst Scott Custa Kennedy, who writes, Glad to hear both of you are okay. Finally, both Dallas Fuel and Washington Justice official Owl account also responded with the latter commenting, We're so sorry to hear, but so glad you're both alive. Everyone at Justice is keeping you and Jacob in our thoughts, and we wish you both a speedy recovery. As the community continues to show the esports star their support, we're sure she'll be welcomed back with open arms when she returns to the stage. So, of course, just wanted to put this one out there and say that, uh, as I'm sure everyone does, we hope Zoe and her partner Jacob there, uh, you know, have a speedy recovery and are doing okay and everything. For all intents and purposes, it does seem like they are back on their feet. Um, if you follow Zoe on social media, you'll see that it seems like she has been posting and uh, they're both doing well since the accident. Um, but, obviously wanted to put it out there and just mention that we hope they are both doing well and will be back on their feet soon. So that's that. Now, next, we're going to move on to .esports.com with an article by Liz Richardson on November 30th, which reads, Overwatch releases over-the-top Creator Cup experimental card. 
Every Overwatch fan knows there's been a significant drought of content while the development team works on the game's long-awaited sequel. Instead of letting players linger, however, the developers have turned to people who want to see the game succeed and also cause some chaos. Content creators. The November 30th experimental card is full of wild changes for most heroes, put forth by some of the community's most popular creators. Tank Main Flats handled the tank changes, Somju took on the damage dealers, and Brigitte Expert Violet, sorry that took me a second to process, put forth the support hero upgrades. The result is a chaotic medley of interesting, fun, and downright weird changes to Overwatch as we know it. These changes won't be going live to be going to the live servers in any shape or form, but they'll be used in the Experimental Card Creator Cup, a Flash Ops tournament taking place from December 10th to 12th. You can check out the full wild list of changes below. So, there's a whole schwack of changes here. Um, I'm not actually going to read the details of the change, but I will read Liz's breakdown of the change because that kind of, uh, you know, takes out the uh, sort of technical side of it and makes it a little more appealing in terms of uh, an audience or the reader. So here we go. We're going to start with Diva, and Liz writes, Diva will now zoom into the sky when she leaves her mech, and once she hits the ground, she can take out a tracer with two punches to the face. That's truly a dream for baby Diva mains everywhere. So what that is referring to is the fact that the pilot Diva quick melee damage has been increased from 30 to 100. So, of course, two punches and you're doing 200 damage. The defense... Uh, no, sorry... The booster duration has been increased from 2 to 4 seconds, and the speed increased by 25%, so you're going to be flying a lot faster. And then ejecting out of the mech now ejects you at 15 meters per second upwards, and 10 meters per second in the direction you're holding. So basically, you get demeched, you're going freaking flying, and then you're going to be able to melee the crap out of people. So, pretty exciting one to see there. Uh, probably a lot of uh, sick highlight clips of divas and baby divas just going flying across the map. Uh, on that one. Orisa. Much of Orisa's basic kit has been tweaked to be more powerful but controlled. But the important part is that she's now 99% armor and the other 1% is a Christmas hat. And that's of course because they're giving Orisa a Christmas hat. Reinhardt. Amidst all this chaos, a few of Reinhardt's perks from Overwatch 2 have snuck into the experimental card. Firestrike has two charges with speed increased and the tank has more steadfast passive, making knockbacks less likely. Players will also no longer have to type MTD in chat because Reinhardt will now do it for them when an enemy Earth Shatter is blocked. So that's of curse, of course, sorry, referring to the blocking an enemy Earth Shatter now plays the voice line, you shame yourself, and it will show up in the kill feed. So just kind of playing with Reinhardt there, making it a little more obvious when uh, he MTDs the other team. So, you know, main tank difference when, when he outplays the other team with uh, his shield. We then move on to Roadhog, where it says, yeah, yeah, a lot of Roadhog buffs we've seen over the past have been taken down a notch, and Chainhook can now finish off enemies on impact. But look on the bright side. Roadhog can now fly if he aims his ultimate downward. Imagine the possibilities for this pig. So that's referring to the whole hog ultimate now lifts Roadhog while using if while using it if he's pointed downward. So honestly, pretty hilarious one. And, and given the knockback that whole hog has, uh, honestly, in my mind, kind of makes sense, you know? Uh, seems a little bit like if that's the case, then, you know, pointing the whole hog ability forward should push Roadhog back as well. But I digress. It's a cool one nonetheless. Sigma. A big part of Sigma's kit is his experimental barrier, which has given rise to the often boring double shield meta. Why not just take the shield away and see what happens? Sigma no longer has a shield, but he'll zoom at top speed while using Kinect Grasp and will also spam voice lines as he hurls rocks into the enemy backline. 
So Sigma now uses his yes voice line after every use of accretion. And accretion impact damage has been increased, the explosion damage has been increased, and the uh, accretion is now susceptible to reflect or deflect abilities such as defense matrix. And of course, uh, it doesn't list it here, but Genji's uh, deflectability. So essentially making Sigma just a ton more mobile and obviously amping up the speed um, give and, and play of Sigma given there's no experimental barrier uh, which is kind of just bonkers to think of Sigma uh, without his barrier at all, because that's such an integral part of the double shield meta. But anyways, that should should be kind of an interesting one. I'm curious how much of some of these characters we'll really see getting played. Um, like I say, I think we'll see lots of D.Va. Could see Reinhardt probably, um, at least in the tank side of things. We'll probably see Winston and Wrecking Ball. The others, I'm not too sure about, but let's let's jump into Winston. So Winston, as a former resident of the moon, Winston has turned himself into a rocket ship with his, this jump pack change. His primal rage will also give a double boost to his health, so watch out for this very angry scientist. So that's referring to the jump pack now dealing 100 damage to enemies within 4 meters of the launch location, and travel speed being increased by 30%, and then primal rage health bonus increased from 500 to 1000. So he uses that uh, jump pack, and uh, if he uses it in a pack, it's going to hurt everyone around him, and he's also going to go flying as well. So exciting stuff there. I actually I actually really like those changes. I kind of wonder how they would be in the live game, especially the, the damage uh, within four meters of launch location. That That's a really interesting one, although I think 100 damage is probably way too jacked up. You could definitely do something like maybe 25 damage, um, just because then it's it's enough to finish off a character, maybe even 20 damage. It's enough to finish off a really low character upon your exit. Um, I guess the only thing that people would probably complain about is like it doesn't really take much skill to uh, to run away from a battle. So you know you launch in, you're on cooldown already. You hit the ground, you do some damage. You whip out your uh, Tesla cannon, you do some damage. Then you launch out, you do some more damage. It does seem a little bit a uh, little bit a little bit stacked. Um, Although you could always change it to be something like uh, it has some pushback, you know, pushes enemies back, um, maybe just one or two meters or something like that, um, just to create some space for you as the attacking team, but also for you to make your exit kind of thing. So some interesting stuff there. Wrecking Ball, Grappling Claw. Oh, wait, no, let's just read the, the description that Liz has here for the start. So she writes, Flying Hamster. That's all we have to add. Now that is because the roll jump height has been increased by 100%. The full speed impact damage on collisions has been reduced, and you can now change direction more quickly and easily. And it looks like that's... Uh, I'm just taking a look here. That's about it, but basically, Wrecking Ball can now just go crazy. Uh, the jump height being increased by 100% is going to be insane. He's going to be flying around like a mad mad hamster. I was going to say mad rabbit for some reason, but anyways, mad hamster. Zarya. Bubbles will now be comically large with increased health and Zarya's alternate fire, or her grenades can now technically be used to throw people off the map if they're aimed correctly. So, for that one, uh, particle cannon secondary fire explosions no longer hurt yourself, and knockback increased by 150%, so instead of a slight nudge from it, you're going to go freaking flying from getting hit with that. And the projectile barrier's uh, health for both the... Um, Sorry, for the one that Zarya sends to a teammate and the one that she uses on herself. Um, they've both had their health increased from 200 to 250, and the size increased by 50%. So they're growing as well, which is kind of really cool, because then, technically speaking, I think you could have um, a teammate 
basically in your bubble with you. Um, you know, they would obviously have to stay on top of you and or stay close to you kind of thing. But it's kind of cool. Um, so anyways, I really like those, uh, the what they've done with the tank rolls there. Obviously, they're not going to ever implement probably probably 99.9% of these changes will never make it to the live game. It would be interesting to see if um, if the developers take note of these changes and maybe integrate them in some way. You know, I'm I'm not necessarily saying that they um, that they implement these changes one for one, but at least it could get the get the gears turning on some creative ways they could change some of these characters for Overwatch 2. Although, let's be honest, I'm sure they're very settled on what's going to change and and how things are going to change already. So, you know, they don't need they don't need my help. Anyways, moving on from there, support changes. Looking at Ana, Ana mains no longer have to trust Nano Nano Boost, sorry, to a subpar Genji and can now decide to delete the entire enemy team themselves. So that's of course because of both of the items that Ana has had changed. Eliminating Sleep Dart effect. Wow, that was that was a little janky. Eliminating Sleep Dart affected targets resets the cooldown, and Nano Boost is now applied to Ana when used without a target. So the second one kind of an obvious one um that one is actually definitely a change that uh, uh something that you i think see in the free-for-all uh game modes when you uh play as ana which it's in some ways it's a little bit like why would you do that because she has a support character but she does have some good survivability and some good damage output um so anyways when you get your ult and you use it in those modes it just uses it on yourself if i'm not mistaken because there's no real teammate right because you're playing free for all now anyways the more interesting part of that is the eliminating sleep dart affected targets resets the cooldown uh that really makes it a lot more beneficial not that it was never not beneficial but even more beneficial to sleep dart enemies and when you have sleep darted them it makes it more beneficial for the team to really group up on them and focus fire them because if you can burn them down then Ana gets her sleep dart back and she can do it again so that's an interesting one for sure baptiste the normally calm healer is going full harm assist in this experimental card with a dps spin on regenerative burst and his exo boots so here that's referring to the regenerative burst now damages enemies instead of healing allies interesting Exo boots now deal 40 damage to enemies within four meters upon landing. That's actually kind of similar to the Winston stuff I was just talking about. Um, dealing damage within landing, you know, Winston deals damage damage upon taking off. Um, kind of a similar thing. I actually, again, don't mind that too much. Um, given Baptiste does have those, you know, big old boots. And 40 damage is not super uh, damaging. Now, four meters maybe seems a little widespread. But given that he's a support character, you know, he's probably not going to be in the fray as much as your tanks and your DPS. But at the same time, um, I do also think that it kind of compensates a little bit for the low damage, right? Whereas on the Winston one, um, you maybe have a lower radius, more more damage output. So, you know, you could play with those kind of things. Brigitte, well, Brigitte may no longer have the, be the, quote, raid boss in this experimental card. Seeing a healer throw out repair packs at top speed during an ultimate will be absolutely hysterical to watch. Now, this one is actually an interesting one. Um, Inspire no longer heals allies. Instead, triggering Inspire now reduces the cooldown of repair packs by 0.5 seconds, and repair pack charges increased from 3 to 5. So essentially what you're saying here is that uh, you're sort of, you're keeping players incentivized to use Inspire, which of course procs from uh, Brigitta using her flail and 
connecting with targets. So she normally doing that, she's giving out heals while it's happening. But this way, it triggers or it reduces the cooldown of her repair packs so she can then use those more frequently. And of course, on top of that, she has five instead of three of them. So I bring this up as an interesting one because if I pop over to Stylosa's Twitter, um, Stylosa actually just tweeted about this a couple hours ago. And he says, 1,351 days ago, Brig hit Overwatch. Today, at Vibin' with Violet, made her, uh, how many how many zeros does he have on here? One, two, three, one, two, three. One hundred thousand percent more enjoyable to play. Chasing after Inspire to trigger repair pack regen is awesome. I'm loving this. So I, I bring this up because that's kind of a really cool change. Um, and the fact that we're seeing, you know, significant voices in the community actually really like some of these changes is kind of cool in my opinion you know someone like stylosa is not someone with a small following um and seeing him really pump up the uh that change is uh is interesting to say the least you know i'm i'm kind of excited to to see that moving on from there we get to lucio when lucio says he's dropping the beat now he means he's dropping it directly on someone's head these changes also reward going for wild wall rides so enjoy never getting healing from your lucio player ever again and that of course both of those refer to sound barrier cost reduced by 30%, now deals massive damage to enemies he lands directly on top of. Although <laughs> although I like the idea of that one, um, seems a little wacky in, in premise, uh, or in, in practice, I should say. Um, because yeah, you know, dropping the beat and landing on things or an enemy or something like that, it does make sense that it would do damage. Um, you know, you're slamming your weapon into the ground with, with this sound barrier effect. Um, but at the same time, the idea that the support character should be in the front line and, or, or in the enemy's back line even and, and trying to go from wall on top of someone, probably not the best idea in practice. Anyways, the second point is Sonic Amplifier Fire Rate re increased by 15% while wall riding. After one second of wall riding, this bonus is reduced by 50%. So interesting because he gets a bit of a buff from being on the walls, which realistically is where Lucio kind of should be. Um, you know, even if he's in the back or off to the side, he should be kind of taking advantage of the speed he gains from, from that mobility um, from wall riding. So anyways, mercy, mercy, mercy. The, how do, how do I pronounce this? I always get this wrong. Caduceus. The Caduceus staff changes now reward mercy players who consistently switch targets instead of pocketing one person for a long period of time. That's all well and good. And every Mercy player has already skipped down to the part where eliminations during Valkyrie actually matter. So that, of course, of course, refers to Caduceus staff healing now reduced from 55 healing per second to 40 healing per second over two seconds while connected. Healing returns to its normal HPS over two seconds while not active. So that's the switching between targets um, actually benefiting you. And then killing blows extend the duration of Valkyrie by three seconds. So this sends mercy into full battle mercy mode if mercy can get kills she could potentially carry an entire team um and if she can uh, take out the entire enemy team of course her uh her valkyrie could last much longer um in theory as a team wipes they will regroup and let that valkyrie run out so kind of a cool one there though moving on from there we are on our second last of the supports 
And we have Moira. Moira's Fade now holds a purpose besides getting her out of trouble. It can take away some offending status effects if used correctly. These changes also encourage enemies to get out of the way of biotic orbs or suffer movement-related consequences. This one actually is not... Altogether is not really a bad tweak. So I'm actually going to read all of these. Biotic Grass Primary Fire Healing now consumes Moira's own health if used well out of energy. That definitely changes the playstyle of Moira. You get less spamming of, uh, of the primary fire. Allies that receive at least 100 healing from the same biotic orb are cleansed of all status effects. So that benefits uh, people from receiving the biotic orb, which of course, as we all know, uh, Moira's often just go straight for damage. So makes it a little more useful to have Moira um, using that biotic orb. Enemies that suffer at least 100 damage from the same biotic orb are slowed by 30% for 1.5 seconds. So that, again, we're still incentivizing the uh, biotic orb to hurt enemies. Um, but it also kind of becomes more beneficial. It's not just straight damage output. It's also uh, CCing them to an extent. And then probably the most important one and a change that I think we probably will see some form of in, uh, in Overwatch 2... Fade now cleanses status effect from players Moira passes through and allied players that are around her when it ends. So this is something that I think I had once heard about, talked about on uh, Plat Chat or something like that as a way to kind of make Moira a more interesting support character to play um, is the fact that her fade can now cleanse status effects. So um, you could essentially use it to pass through your teammates um, and really make a larger impact than just healing output. Um, you would kind of uh, save them from a lot of different things. Zenyatta. Zenyatta is one of the few he heroes who gets a sizable nerf to his neutral game in this experimental card, with Discord Orb no longer providing enemy information or enabling as much damage. But his ultimate now doubles as a damage dealer, giving Discord Orbs all around for Zenyatta's team to capitalize on destruction. So that, of course, uh, there's a bunch of nerfs in there, but we then get to Transcendence, total healing reduced from 1800 to 1200, but it now applies Discord Orb to nearby enemies. So realistically, incentivizes a team to fall onto a team when Zenyatta has, their, has her ult, his ult, I guess, its ult. Um, and then Zenyatta pops that, and Discord Orb is automatically on nearby enemies, therefore sort of uh, debuffing all of them, and making it easier to get kills, as well as having your uh your health held up although not as significantly as prior so there you go that's that um i'll go through some of the dps changes but not all of them are super interesting so i won't touch on all of them um ash isn't that interesting cassidy uh they're giving him the combat role now usable while airborne uh so kind of an interesting one but most importantly deadeye now spawns more tumbleweeds after months of teasing the aerial cowboy role Cassidy players will finally get to test it out in a setting rifle in a setting rife with chaos. Sorry. The developer notes also say, quote, mind the thorns in reference to the Deadeye tumbleweed changes. We're terrified, but also intrigued. So this one I'm really I'm really curious to see what more tumbleweeds means. Realistically, we could be seeing the number go up from one to two. Um, but I kind of just hope that like they go a little bit crazy with it and for some reason it's like all of a sudden there's like ten tumbleweeds blown across the screen. Um just, you know, just purely for comedy, because that's what this is about, right? This is trying to, in a lot of ways, bring the fun back, I think. Um, Bastion, nothing too interesting, just kind of getting closer to the Overwatch 2 uh, changes that we've already seen. Um, Doomfist, not very interesting. 
Genji, if you're hearing Super Mario music while reading these changes, so are we. Genji players will now be doing a platformer side quest as Battle Rages, gaining nearly infinite verticality by climbing walls. So this is wall climbing speed increased by 50%. Wall climbing now refunds double jumps ability. And then sure, sure you can recovery reduced. Um, so anyways, Genji essentially going to be able to climb walls indefinitely now. Um, and he's going to do it much faster. So that's kind of a funny one. Uh, just increasing his mobility even more. Um, <laughs> Hanzo, I'll read because I like uh, Liz's description here. She writes, tell us scatter arrow is back without telling us scatter arrow is back. And the dis the actual bullet points are storm arrows uh, now ricochet off surfaces up to five times and lunge cooldown reduced from five to three seconds. So Hanzo now going to be jumping around a little bit more and then using scatter arrow, basically. Um, nothing too interesting on Junkrat or Farah. Uh, Reaper. It doesn't really fit Reaper's edgy persona to be zooming around after Shadow Step concludes, but it'll be extremely fun to watch. So that is referring to the fact that Shadow Step movement speed is increased by 40% for 6 seconds after ending. That is kind of crazy to me. 6 seconds in Overwatch time is a long time, and so that movement speed uh, increased by 40%, almost half of his uh, movement speed, uh, current movement speed, is kind of crazy. So, interesting one there. Um... Looking into things, I mean, let's see, Tech Visor for Soldier, getting a little bit of change, nothing too interesting there. Sombra, basically looking like Sombra in Overwatch 2. Um, Symmetra, teleporting now increases movement speed by 50% for 1.5 seconds, so you'll pop out of that uh, teleporter and you'll just kind of book it for a couple seconds there. Um, nothing too interesting there. Torbjorn, of course, if you had to guess, you would get it exactly right. Um, forge Hammer damage increased from 55 to 75. Overload now increases Forge Hammer damage to 125 while active, so you're obviously going to get tons of people going for the Hammer kill. And let's see, uh, Tracer. I actually don't mind Tracer's one of Tracer's changes in particular. Uh, Liz writes, while these changes seem minimal, talented Tracer players will be taking full advantage of increased ammo and Blink recharges with Recall. So Recall now restores all Blink charges, cooldown increased from 12 to 14, and Pulse Pistol ammo increased from 40 to 50. So they're giving her guns more ammo and of course more importantly recall now restoring all blink charges kind of a crazy one because you know uh tracer relies on her blink so much and then recall is used to basically reset positioning but also bring back health with this change it's basically restoring her full kit rather than just giving her uh whatever health she had previously and obviously uh adjusting her positioning but they balance that out a little bit with the cooldown being increased so <clears throat> Hard to say, um, but ultimately, I do kind of like that one. Um, I do see Recall as as a bit of an interesting ability that they could probably play a little more with. Finally, we get to Widowmaker. Um, for those of us who can't hit direct shots on Widowmaker, these buffs to her submachine gun alternate fire are a fantastic sight. Widow's Kiss automatic fire minimum damage after falloff increased from 3.9 to 5. Automatic fire damage increased from 13 to 15, and Infrasight now resets Grapple Hook's cooldown. Uh, so nothing too drastic there. Um, I do like the Infrasight one, though, just, again, kind of similar to Tracer's. Something that, to me, just kind of makes sense. I, I'm a little bit surprised that it hasn't always been the case, but when you think about it, it really hasn't. So, so there you have it. That's all of the experimental changes, um, or experimental card changes, 
with the Creator Cup experimental card that's upcoming. So look forward to seeing that tournament. I believe that is not this weekend. I think they said December 10th to 12th, which is not this upcoming weekend, but the one after that. Um, there's a good chance I will check out some of the Creator Cup, depending on what times it is uh, at, just so I can see some of these changes in action. Um, and obviously, I mean, hey, we're all pretty starved for Overwatch right now. Um, so I certainly would not mind uh, catching a little semi-pro action, even if it is, you know, goofy and just fun to watch. So there you have it. That's what we're looking at for the uh, Experimental Card Creator Cup changes. With all of that said, um, as I mentioned, you know, I, I did like uh, a fair number of those changes, or at least, at the very least, I think they kind of get the creative juices flowing and you can kind of imagine how some of those might be kind of cool to see implemented in some form or another obviously most of that is just over the top and fun um, but you could see how they could take some of those tweaks and kind of uh, make them valuable or or make them useful um, honestly I really like the idea of, of Winston getting a little bit of a little bit of something out of retreating um, in my mind, that kind of uh, it kind of incentivizes how you should play Winston or how tanks should play Winston. Um, you know, all too often you see tanks that just leap into a fight on Winston and land and just die. Um, and this kind of does incentivize you to take advantage of the fact that Winston is a dive character, but you can dive in and you can also dive out. Now, yes, your team, in theory, if you're playing dive, should follow you in but something happens or something goes wrong and you need to retreat, you should, in my mind, be incentivized to get out of there rather than just throw it, let yourself die, um, get the respawn or something like that. Um, so, you know, like I said, when I was talking about him, um, maybe damage on liftoff isn't the right idea, but I do kind of like the idea of pushback, uh, you know, spreads out the team that has surrounded you or that's fallen in on you. Um, ruins their positioning just a little bit gives you a bit of an advantage in that you know maybe everyone was behind an orisa shield you jump behind the orisa shield then after a little bit of time you jump back out and it pushes everyone out from behind there just kind of creates a little space which um you know i like so and then of course you know some of the other changes i talked about there like uh like tracer i, th I think probably the tank ones were the more interesting ones but i digress that's that's kind of my thoughts on the creator cup details and you know what i'll be honest i i saw that announced today i read through it and i wasn't even going to talk about it um on today's episode just because i wasn't really sure how interested i was in it um but like i said you know we're all starved for overwatch content and essentially this is what we're getting so i mean hey i'm not i'm not upset with it it's it's better than nothing um and especially given the fact that we know we're not really getting anything other than we will be getting a winter wonderland event soon um probably probably i'd say i think around december 12th or so i think they usually run it for about two or three weeks um and it usually does go into january over the new year and everything uh so i'm gonna wager let's see patch day is usually tuesday i could see it going in on the 14th and ending on the 4th just because going in on the 21st seems a little late. So I would say probably 14th and ending on the 4th, if not 21st um, through to the new year. So anyways, exciting stuff there. Um, 
but that's really all the news we have to talk about right now. Uh, there wasn't too much else from around the web. Obviously, there's all sorts of little stories and things going on, but nothing that I really wanted to bring up. So without further ado, I think we're going to jump on over to the Owl Tracker. As it should be. All right. So as with every episode, we are going to head on over to .esports.com and take a look at the Overwatch League 2021 offseason trade tracker uh, posted by Liz Richardson and updated throughout the season. This, of course, breaks down all of the latest moves and grooves in the Overwatch League um, with respect to team rosters, coaching staff, the organization as a whole, and all that fun stuff. So I'm going to cover, I think, not just this past week, because this past week there uh, wasn't a ton going on, although there was a fair amount. Um, but I will, of course, also cover the week prior to that, uh, given, you know, we post this every other week. So without further ado, let's kick things off on November 15th, as I believe at the end of last episode, I talked about November 14th. So, uh, or is that is that true? Let me, let me take a quick peek here. I actually... The, the dates are a little off from what I talked about because I actually found out the November 14th post on here uh, from Twitter, so I talked about it on the episode. I digress. Let's 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 get in there. So November 15th, Hangzhou Spark adds Hitscan Pineapple. I should preface this. There's a lot of Hangzhou Spark here, and I don't know a lot about Hangzhou, and I don't know a lot about the players that they're signing. A lot of them are coming from Tier 2. Um, so I'll touch on them, and I'll probably just read the tweet that uh, the team made, and that might just be it, but... I digress, let's take a look. Okay, so Hangzhou Spark adds Hitscan Pineapple. We have the tweet here and it reads, the trail from Billy Billy Gaming to Hangzhou Spark has opened to Pineapple, the outstanding Hitscan himself. Welcome to Spark number 15, Pineapple. Moving on from there, we go to November 17th where the Hangzhou Spark adds DPS, Alpha Yi, and Support Irony. So the tweets read, we are thrilled that Alpha Yi will be joining us. He's always been one of the carries in BLG and we will and we know he will keep doing his best in spark welcome to spark number 27 alpha Yi. of course these are all pending league approval because they always put that and then another tweet nothing makes us more excited than another billy billy gaming player irony is joining us welcome to spark number 10 irony of course pending league approval so there you have it uh there's a whole bunch of announcements from the hangzhou spark um of course Tons of the Billy Billy Gaming lineup being brought over. Um, nothing too too surprising in that, honestly, other than the fact that uh, seemingly they're taking their whole roster. So I digress. Let's move on to November 18th, where we start with the Boston Uprising signing Flex Support MCD, Florida Mayhem signing Tank Someone, and the Hangzhou Spark again signing Support Super Rich. So I'm going to jump over to the actual uh, Boston Uprising uh, Overwatch League website, and I'll quickly read their announcement about MCD, posted on November 18th by the staff Boston Uprising. The Boston Uprising has received league approval for the signing of support player MCD, a free agent who most recently played for the Hangzhou Spark. MCD23 began his competitive Overwatch career with Talon Esports in 2018. As a member of Element Mystic, MCD helped his team to a first-place finish in the Overwatch Contenders 2019 The Gauntlet and 2019 NetEase Esports X Autumn Tournament. And you know what? MCD might be McD. I'm really not sure, but I'm just going to say MCD. Joined the Spark in 2020 and was released in 2021. MCD is a talented player who has made mistakes, said Chris Huck Loringer, president of the Uprising. We have had numerous conversations with him, and based on those conversations, McD understands that this is his final opportunity of his gaming career. 
We are hopeful that he will make the most out of his chance. The Boston Uprising are currently constructing their roster for the 2022 Overwatch League season. And then they have a breakdown here. 2018 Talon Esports, 2018 Foxes, 2018 to 2019 White Matel Incheon Esports, 2019 to 2020 Element Mystic, 2020 to 2021 Hangzhou Spark. That's a breakdown of his career. So there you have it. That's the Boston Uprising signing McD. Um, I do remember the name, but I don't truly remember uh, seeing a lot of play or anything like that um, in the past. Um, so I don't have a ton to say about McD, but I digress. Let's move on to the Florida Mayhem signing tank someone. So here we've got the tweet up from the Florida Mayhem. When you're in the market for a new main tank, you want someone strong. Someone you know is ready to step up and bring a little mayhem. You need someone. Welcome to Florida. And of course, uh, the Florida team uh, keeping keeping on their game with a nice uh, motion graphic uh, of a bunch of tanks, uh, most notably Reinhardt, Risa, a little bit of Doomfist, a couple of other characters in there as well. I think we see Winston for a second there. Um, but ultimately, um, exciting to see the Florida Mayhem roster shaping up again even further. Uh, currently, as things sit, we see Florida with two tank players in Adam and someone, one hitscan DPS with Hydron, two flex DPS with Mirror and Checkmate. They are lacking a main support, and they have Surmahed as their flex support. So not a situation dissimilar to the San Francisco Shock, um, who also have players in all of those roles, but no main support player. Uh, similar to the Houston Outlaws, who are also missing a main support, although Houston is also missing a hitscan DPS. Um, and in some ways similar to the Toronto Defiant, although Toronto has their main support player, they're of course missing their flex DPS player. So anyways, interesting to see these rosters uh, rounding out kind of thing. And overall, I'm excited to see what happens with the Florida Mayhem, as I have not been quiet about uh, in past episodes. Moving on from there, November 20th, former New York Excelsior tank Yakpung retires. So here, I believe... I do have... Oh, did I already mention Super Rich? I forgot to mention Super Rich. I, I did mention it, but let's jump on over to the Hangzhou Sparks Twitter, where they write, Wait, they're still missing a support player. Nah, the excellent support player, Super Rich, will be joining Hangzhou Spark. Welcome to Spark number four, Super Rich. And of course, the highlight reel of Super Rich. Uh, looks like he's playing... Uh, I can't quite tell what team... Uh, we got O2 Blast versus Team CC. I'm not too sure which one he's coming from, but... I digress. Um, exciting stuff for the Hangzhou Spark as the Hangzhou train won't stop rolling. And in fact, we've got one more, so it's not even going to stop yet. Moving on from there, November 20th, former New York Excelsior tank Yakpung retires. So here we've got a tweet from, I just want to make sure I get this right, uh, a, an account called Haley at E-Y-L-E-A-H-C-B-Y-E. -E. I believe this is an English, oh, you know what, description is ENG, and then a bunch of arrows, and I believe these are Korean characters, translators, so she is a translator that apparently uh, potentially works with the uh, Shanghai Dragons, as she has hashtag, hashtag Shanghai Dragons. She also has hashtag shields up there, so working with a number of uh, teams, it would seem like, but I digress. She tweeted out this translation tweet, so she's got an image of Yakpung's, a post by Yakpung, which I believe came from, yep, uh, Yakpung Discord update. And she then posts this text, Yakpong, quote, Hello everyone, I'm here to deliver bad news. After a lot of consideration, I have decided to retire. I feel really sorry, so I have been avoiding it comes up. 
I've only gotten this far due to all my fan support. I'm sorry for announcing this so late, and I would like to thank you all for all your support. So, um, you know, obviously everyone wish Yak Pung well in his future and uh, applaud him for all his efforts within the league. And, uh, you know, just a very nice message there, a nice sentiment that, you know, uh, he's thanking his uh, fans for the support and everything like that. So moving on from there, we're going to go to November 22nd, where the Paris Eternal re-signed Tank Vestola. So we've got the tweet here coming from Paris. We had fun with free agency, but for 2022, we want the Vestola. So we re-signed Vestola. Welcome back, Chief. Pending league approval. Obviously, um, an interesting one here, you know, uh, definitely when Paris didn't bring that bring back their entire roster of this past season there was a little bit of a question of why not given they did have a um a pretty significantly better season than I think most people assumed they were going to have um based on the roster if I remember correctly I want to say Vestola even joined the team partway through the season um but regardless of all that uh I do think he was a worthy addition um and the team really seemed to do do well with him on it. Now, I certainly think he wanted to probably shop around a little bit uh, when it came to the offseason. He was probably hoping he might find a new home, and perhaps he was in negotiations or talks or things like that. Um, but ultimately, obviously, he left the door open with Paris, and uh, now we see him returning. So congratulations to Vestola. Moving on from there, on November 23rd, Vancouver Titans announced its roster, which includes DPS players, Aspire and Shockwave, supports Masa and Aztec, and Tank False. I believe that's Aztec. Aztec? Aztec, Aztoc? Hang on, let me look this up. Okay, I'm crazy. It is Aztec, whereas the actual word is Aztec. I, I got confused there, because I know his name is not the actual word Aztec, like, you know, the Mayans and whatever. I digress. I confused myself there. Um... Anyways, Vancouver Titans announced its entire roster. I just read that. Paris Eternal also add Mobugi as assistant coach. So let me just quickly read Paris Eternal's tweet here, and then I'll talk about Vancouver. So Paris Eternal tweeted out, We're delighted to welcome Mobugi to the ranks of the Eternal as our new assistant coach. Show him some of that special Paris love. So there you go. Congratulations to Mobugi. But let's jump on over to the Vancouver Titans and talk about them a little bit by starting with an article from Liz Richardson, Posted on November 23rd over on .esports.com, which reads, Vancouver Titans reveal 2022 Overwatch League roster. The Vancouver Titans didn't have the best 2021 Overwatch League season, ending the year with a 1-15 record and very few servings of breadsticks. Before 2022 kicks off, the Titans organization is investing in new talent and some familiar faces. Vancouver announced its 5-player 2022 roster today, giving fans a first look at its revitalized lineup. The organization dropped every 2021 player earlier in the Overwatch League offseason. Former Vancouver Phenom Shockwave will be returning to the team in 2022 after spending a year with the Philadelphia Fusion. Shockwave was a part of the Titans contenders pickups in 2020 when the organization's all-Korean roster was ousted. He'll be joining he'll be joined by Hitscan Aspire from the Toronto Defiant who turned heads last season as a last-minute clutch player for the league's other Canadian team. Originally signed to the Defiant as a 30-day pickup, he ended up becoming a permanent signing until he was released by Toronto earlier in the offseason. Veteran main support and former Atlanta Reign standout Masa will be joining the Titans alongside flex support Aztec, another former Toronto Defiant player. False, a Canadian off-tank player known for his work in the North American Overwatch contender scene, will head up Vancouver's tank line. He played for teams like American Tornado and was most recently a part of Maryville Esports and Bobby Wasabi. For now, 
False will be the only tank player for the Titans unless the team signs a main tank. Vancouver's five-man roster isn't permanent, however. The team needs to have players uh, needs to have five players signed by January 3rd, 2022, and will need six players by March 1st, according to the league's roster construction rules. So, um, overall, exciting stuff there. Very exciting for Vancouver Titans fans. Um, you know, I, I often call myself a part-time Vancouver Titans fan after uh, everything that happened in the 2020 season. Uh, of course, with the uh, former roster imploding and everything that I'm not going to go into details on. But I have found it hard in the past to support the organization as a whole, just because their public image was so bad and, and you know, so many so many talks about how they treat their players and facilities that, uh, you know, they were staying in and whatever and that kind of stuff and, and community involvement and all this stuff. And all I want to say with this announcement is that I think they are really turning things around. Their social media presence has definitely been on the rise to the point of they're probably one of the better social media accounts out there. Um, uh, you know, I would definitely put them up there with probably, I mean, San Francisco Shock comes to mind. Um, you know, I see a lot from uh, from the Dallas Fuel as well. Um, I'm just trying to think of which, which accounts I see doing sort of a good job out there. Uh, the Toronto Defiant, although I don't necessarily find their, their social media, um, I guess, memeability to be that, that intense, um, they do have a great community and they do a ton with the community and they do a ton of contests and giveaways and things like that. Um, which which works for them as well um, and is great to see. So sort of honestly, sort of two different ways. If if you know Vancouver is leaning more into the meme ability, um, I think in a lot of ways like San Francisco does. Um, anyways, these are just some that are coming to mind. I think Vancouver has really started to turn things around with their social media presence. This uh, this announcement video, which for all intents and purposes, this had been leaked and heavily rumored by you know people like Halo, Aaron of thought or. Aaron Halo of Thoughts, I believe his Twitter handle is, um, and had been talked about quite a bit. Um, I've probably even talked about it on, on previous episodes. But um, the point is, it was it was heavily rumored, and the Titans still did a, a nice announcement video about it. Um, they kind of had fun with the fact that it was it was leaked already and played around with it a little bit. And overall, um, I think they did a good job with this announcement. And by all by all means, this roster looks to be shaping up. Um, Hard to say where exactly I would place it, um, you know, in, in the overall ranking of the league, especially not knowing uh, rookies and not knowing a lot of the players that are coming in on the Eastern region side of things. But I could see it being a top 10 team, which would be huge improvement over the, uh, I think they were third last, so 17th overall. I believe, no, 18th overall, because I believe 20th was the Los Angeles Valiant. I believe 19th was the London Spitfire, and I believe 18th was the Vancouver Titans. So if they can place top 10 in the next season, that would be hugely significant for them um, and very impressive. And certainly with the shift to 5v5, I think DPS is going to be um, more palpable than ever and uh, more able to carry than ever. And I think with a player like uh, Shockwave, you can certainly see some, some high carry potential with him, um, which we've sort of seen in the past. And uh, same goes for Aspire. You know, Aspire having his sort of rookie introductory season last year with the Toronto Defiant. I'm excited to see what he can do with uh, with this other group around him, and even a familiar face for him with with Aztec. Um, and that's not to discount, you know, False, who I, I don't really know much about False. That's why I can't say too much about that. Um, but it'll also be exciting to see Masa uh, coming over from the Atlanta Reign. 
um, and see what kind of a an impact on support uh, Masa can make. So there you go, Vancouver Titans. Uh, I'm happy to say I'm looking forward to seeing them play again. Moving on from there, we go to November 28th, where once again, the train finally comes to a stop for now with the Hangzhou Spark adding former player Nico as assistant coach. So we'll jump over to their tweet. Please welcome the experienced coach and also former Owl player Nico to Spark as our assistant coach. Can't wait to get into our first Overwatch 2 season with you. Hashtag spark it. And they've got a sick little emoji on the end of that hashtag that I love. So there you go. And with that, that brings us to the end of the Overwatch League 2021 offseason trade tracker discussion, whatever you want to call it. So, so there you have it. Um, that's that's all the changes, moves, announcements, retirements, uh, signings, uh, trades, whatever uh, that we've seen in the past two weeks since our last episode. So with that, I suspect we won't see a ton more um, in the coming month. The next month is October. Uh, October. Wow, I just sat in the time warp for a second there. Um, the next month is, of course, December. And that means the month after that is January, which now, why why is that interesting, you might say? Well, as Liz pointed out at the end of her uh, 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 article on the Vancouver Titans there, um, teams need to have a minimum five players signed by, I believe, January 3rd, 2022. So that means in just a few days, by the time you're listening to this, there will be one month and a couple days Um until teams need that roster minimum of five so that means we're looking at let's see which teams will be making announcements um the atlanta rain have seven the boston uprising have seven the chengdu hunters have nine good god the dallas fuel have eight the florida mayhem have six the guangzhou charge have six the hangzhou spark have nine the houston outlaws have five so there on the lower end, we could definitely see an announcement from them, although we don't have to. Los Angeles Gladiators have seven. Los Angeles Valiant have zero players announced right now. As far as I'm aware, there have been a few minor rumors about what they're doing, but not a ton yet at all. So that's one that we will definitely be seeing something from in the next month. Although, if we it wouldn't it truly would not surprise me if we see absolutely nothing announced from them the roster construction deadline comes and goes and everyone's kind of like huh and then one way or another it's uncovered that they've actually had a roster of players signed and it's just not not gotten out but it's just not really been talked about because they they didn't announce anything and who knows what's going on with valiant these days anyways so anyways valiant will have to announce something we then move on to the London Spitfire, who have five. Again, some gaps in their roster right now. We could see something from them coming. The New York Excelsior, actually, a bit of a surprising one in that they only have one player currently. They have Flora. Um, so we'll have to see something from the New York Excelsior. Um, now, knowing them, I believe they partner with a pretty significant marketing company. Um, so I'm sure they've got something up their sleeve that they're working on. So look forward to that. Moving on from there, the Paris Eternal have six right now. Philadelphia Fusion only have three signed. Um, they've got their DPS lineup probably built out with two hitscan and one flex. Um, so it'll be interesting because we will have to see something from Philadelphia. Um, and, you know, the Philadelphia fan base, obviously not a small one, just like uh, the New York Excelsior. So look forward to seeing something from them as well. I suspect both of those teams with Philly and New York, a part of the hangup is the decisions around what 
region they're going to play in. New York, I think it would not be surprising at all to see if they return to the Eastern region, um, given that's where they've been focused, even when they were sort of air quotes, New York based. Um, they still had an all Korean roster and everything. So they, in theory, will probably be doing that again as they're a lot of a large portion of their fan base, I'm sure, is based out of Korea. Um, but then Philadelphia Fusion, uh, they had their first season this past season in Korea. And obviously we know the visa hell that they went through. And that's a large reason why uh, they weren't, were or weren't able to perform up to standards um, this past season. They had a ton of people having to be signed just for the season, coming in, filling in, that kind of thing. Um, so Philly, I think the fate of where they land is kind of in question right now, which they're probably trying to figure that out while building the roster. So I digress. We'll see something from Philly. I can tell you that much is for certain. Moving on from there, let's just see who's next. Uh, after that, we have the San Francisco Shock, who currently have six. Um, we then have the Seoul Dynasty with seven. We have the Shanghai Dragons, of course, with eight. One of the first, I think, full rosters that we actually knew about, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we then have the Toronto Defiant with five. So at this point, Toronto, although they were kind of ahead of the game, um, and you know they were announcing things pretty early on it seemed like and announcing big things pretty early on um they've kind of stalled things out you know they're a little bit quiet these days so it wouldn't surprise me i feel like we're overdue for something from the toronto defiant um granted they only have one role left to fill out but if they're not ready to announce something for that role perhaps they announce a sixth player on another role uh you know another hit scan player potentially another flex support player to play alongside Twilight, given uh, that a lot of the speculation is that we're going to have a double flex support meta. Although again, who knows with Overwatch 2 coming. So anyways, I would love to see something come out of Toronto, but I'm not so sure we will. Moving on from there, uh, the Vancouver Titans, same, same boat. They have five players, although they have one player in each role. I suspect we will eventually see them sign at least one more player. Um, but I honestly don't think that they will uh, do anything before a lot of these other teams do. And then the Washington Justice are sitting at eight as well. So realistically, there's only three teams that we have to hear something from over the month of December. Um, well, I guess they could technically wait until January if they want to do it on New Year's or something like that, or the day after New Year's or something like that. But I digress. We're looking to hear from the Los Angeles Valiant, the London Spitfire. No, no, wrong. Sorry, London has uh, five players. The Los Angeles Valiant, the New York Excelsior, and the Philadelphia Fusion are the three teams that we will have to hear something from. So there you have it. With that, let's move on out and let's wrap this show up. Welcome to my reality. So of course, I want to thank you for listening to episode 61 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. If you're new around here, this is of course a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world. Sorry about that. In the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you are a returning listener, thanks again for making it to the end of the episode. Even if you just fast-forwarded and jumped to the end and just give me that that fake listen, then hey, I appreciate you being here. I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. And you can find me on all socials at Sir DRJM. Please give me a follow, uh, especially over on Twitter. Give me a follow or reach out to me, tweet at me, DM me, whatever. Bring me questions, bring me comments, bring me concerns, bring me inquiries, bring me suggestions, topics, whatever for the show. And I would be happy to give you credit and, of course, read them. And also, I should mention, I recently learned the value of reviews. If you listen to this and you like it, 
leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. That'd be that'd be sick. I don't think I've ever had a review. If you do, I will gladly read it out. Um, and uh, yeah, apparently it helps with like like ratings and bumps you up in the algorithm so that more people find you and everything. And as we all know, all I want to do here is talk about Overwatch with. And you know what? Not even it doesn't even have to be Overwatch. I want to talk about games with people who love games. Obviously, Overwatch focused is better for the show, but I digress. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow on those platforms, leave us a review, tell your friends, all that jazz. And if you can't get enough of me, tune in next Wednesday, uh, not, you know, next Wednesday, as in December 8th, to Ready, Set, Pwn for another episode of your premier podcast about the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant. That's it for now. Thanks again for listening to episode 61. And we'll catch you cats on the flip-flop in two weeks later. Damn!